Hello and welcome back to Splatter Chatter, where October never dies. I'm Mr. Craigers, one of your lovely hosts. And I am the other one, Miss Melmoy. <clears throat> and that's us. <laughs> <laughs> and this is episode 39. And tonight we are talking about the uh recent buzzy film the ritual recently added to netflix in the last couple weeks or so mm-hmm. um and we're going to be doing a little chatter about that as well as the novel upon which it is based yes, yes. but before we dive into our reverent ritual ramblings. Oh yes, I did it. Three alliterations. Nice. Um, I feel like there's a lot to catch up on since the last episode. A lot has happened in two weeks. A lot has happened. Um, first and foremost, thinking of horror headlines, um, big news in terms of the Get Out World. Mm-hmm. Um, probably everybody knows at this point, but Jordan Peele won for Best Original Screenplay at the Oscars for Get Out. Um, big stuff, you guys. Yeah. Really cool moment. Miss Mel and I witnessed it together. We did. And there was no... All the envelopes are, are what they needed to be. It was appropriate. Everyone double checked. Um, <laughs> but no, it, just, was, it was very exciting because everyone that pretty much was the only award it was going to get of the night. Um, and he got, you know, his his um, his moment to get up there and talk about it. Um, and I'm just, you know, glad that everyone everyone's liked it as much. it's like one of those, it's like I like that everyone likes this as much as I do but it's also that you know everyone <laughs> recognized you know because horror doesn't win much um and especially a film where you know it's covering topics that make old white people uncomfortable yeah well and even young white people yeah too um the whole point of the movie is you know hey guess what like you like the liberal Democrat people, you're racist too. And here's how. Yeah. Um, so it is kind of impressive and very exciting. Um, can I just say it? So I'm looking up at the top of my fridge right now and just thinking about the Oscars. I have so much alcohol He's got in my three apartment. bars worth of alcohol up there because nobody if took any home. If to come in here for like a maintenance request, I think I'm going to get like forced to go to AA <laughs> by my landlord because there is so much booze left over here. Um, we had a good weekend. Yes. We had a good weekend. Everyone also- as usual went for the same drink. I know. And it was the drunken place. It was the, the get out drink. Oh, that's right. That was the popular one. It was the drunken place. That's right. It was very good. So we also watched Happy Death Day, which I had seen and Miss Mel had not seen mm-hmm. when it was in theaters, but she's got a chance to see it now. Do you want to give, give your thoughts? <laughs> so my relationship with this movie was that the chick in the trailer, what was her name? Danielle. Daniela. Was it something with a D? The actress or the character? The character. 
The character's name was Tree. <laughs> no, the the bitch in the trailer. Who's oh, the like, bitch, Danielle. Yeah, Danielle. Um, the one who's always like, "You little bitch," or something Beatrice. like that. Um, when she comes back in from her walk of shame, and I was like, "Oh my god, if I have to live through her saying that." <laughs> luckily that didn't happen um but yeah no um you know i'm getting you know i'm watching it and it's it was such a good movie <laughs> right um and you know what's so interesting is like like 10 minutes in the movie i said to Craig, i was like this girl's awful like this girl's a piece of crap like i hate her and then like by the end of the movie you're like oh my god i want her to live so happily ever after and she's so great <laughs> i love her so much it's such a 180 yeah and it was done so well because it's like she has these very self like it's gradual and then all of a sudden she becomes self-aware that she's like a piece of crap like it, it happens in small bursts and then she was like oh mm -hmm. i realize i need to not be a piece of shit to everyone and fixes all the things that need fixing and you know deals with her emotional <laughs> baggage and goes through it's it's great because like you very, you know, you get very much, you get a nice resolution and it's great. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh no, we're starting over again. <laughs> How funny is that though? Because she's so pissed. It's <laughs> like, what the fuck? And I was mad because I was like, they had such a nice day. You did. You said those exact words. <laughs> um, and then she had to start over one more time. To but how? it's it just out. fun. It is. Like, it's a really fun movie. And I love that they never felt the need to explain what the fuck was happening. Like, they did not need to. Yeah, were like, it was great. They're like, no, this is just the way it is. She has yeah, to or there's day. no, you don't know why it's happening. You don't know why it's happening to her. It just is. Yeah. Uh, and it works. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I think. I think I'm going to add it into my physical collection. I think I'm going to buy it. Yeah. I really like it. <laughs> it's really good. Um, especially for such like a kitschy 1980s title. Um, yeah. Like playing into that, that whole um, just tacky horror movie, but it was so, so. Yeah. And yeah. That, and they have fun with themselves too, you know, like what yeah. they're, what they're doing and what they're making, which is, which is cool. Just the resets on that must have been horrible. Uh, being those extras. Yeah. Because they do. Insane. There's sometimes when you can say, okay, they probably just reused the same thing. But there are other times when you're like, no, they had to 100% film that. They would have had times. to have done that again. Yeah. Because like, or like what? when she's reacting and then sometimes it's slightly different. Like yeah. when, if she pushes away like the clipboard girl or something or whatever, oh like God, the clipboard that would all girl. have Whoever to be played the again. clipboard girl was a champ. Cause she was the number one person I think who had like the most interaction with her on each new day. <laughs> so she had to do so much crap. Like for the most part, everyone else, it's like, okay, they're milling about. Sometimes they interact with her. Sometimes they don't, but clipboard girl gets her every time. Yeah. Every do you have a minute to stop global warming? <laughs> so, um, but it was really good. I, I do recommend. Um, Definitely. It's on the on demands. It sure is. It's probably out on DVD too. If it's not out on DVD, it will be soon. Yeah. DVD and Blu-ray, I guess, as it were. Yeah. Um, I just want to do one other sort of horror headline before we dive into the ritual, if that's okay. cool. Yeah. Um, this is a horror, uh, true crimey headline, um, and it's about uh, the new hot serial killer on everybody's, you know, <laughs> on everybody's lips right now. 
spring I, serial killer. I started walking into the corner and didn't know how to get out. <laughs> the new spring serial killer. Killer, yeah. The spring lineup of serial killers and mass murderers. You know. Um, I'm talking about the Golden State Killer. I know who, this one. <laughs> yeah. I'm familiar with his work. Who is the subject of Michelle McNamara's new book, I'll Be Gone in the Dark, you know, number one on the nonfiction bestseller list right now. Uh, it's it's all the rage, hold lists till the end of time, um, copies sold out on Amazon. Mine is, is, I have to wait till they restock. I'm really excited to read it. Um, but I've been watching, there's a, it's not like an official companion documentary, but on Investigation Discovery, they have a series called Golden State Killer, It's Not Over Yet. That's threatening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then so like every time it would come back, like after the commercials and stuff, Golden State Killer, It's Not Over Yet, I'd be like, I know. <laughs> that's, why I keep, that's why I'm still watching. Um, yeah, no, I know. That's, I'm, I'm here. <laughs> But it's a four-part series, and it's really, really good. They mentioned Michelle McNamara and her book. If you know anything about her, um, she's a really cool woman, a really cool comedian. Um, she ran the True Crime Diary blog where she just, like, dove deep into this case. She actually came up with the name The Golden State Killer um, because she thought, like, the East Area Rapist and the original Night Stalker um, it just sounded too clunky. <laughs> And she did a lot of hard work on this book. She was really influential in getting the different precincts to talk to each other from the two different areas where he um, struck his victims. And she died last year or two years ago from cancer. Um, so she doesn't, she's not able to see the impact that her book is having in bringing this lesser known truly horrible monster who is still out there into the public eye. And um, I remember hearing about this case a couple of years ago and just being completely fascinated and creeped out by it. And it's cool to see it um, kind of come into the public eye because of her book and because of this um, four-part docu-series, which I really recommend. They're interviewing um, surviving victims, some of the surviving rape victims, which at first I was like, oh, what is this going to be like? But they're just like these strong, badass women who are like, let's get this out there. Let's take this fucker down. And I don't know. It's really cool. So. I mean, I mean I'm not like the killing and the serialness, but like. The right. <laughs> right. So I'm really into that right now. Um, I can't wait to read the book and maybe uh, for a future episode of the show, I will do the uh, the Golden State Killer as a true crime episode. It's a really creepy and fascinating case, um, especially because he's still out there. Yes. So that's all I wanted to mention. Did you have anything else? No. Um, just, you know, that as we all know, the <clears throat> modern day creature feature, uh, Shape of Water. Took yeah. Best picture, and I'm so proud of Guillermo. And everyone who's saying, look how far it comes from Hellboy. Shut up. I love Hellboy. Oh, you've always <laughs> Hellboy here at Splatter Shadow. 
<laughs> and we like the shape of water. Yes. And Pan's Labyrinth. Pan's Labyrinth. Um, but yeah, everyone was like, oh. I, even, I even found things to like about Crimson Peak. You know, uh, throw that out there. It's funny because at first, like, I, I blocked out a lot of that movie like i was like oh yeah crimson right. peak and then somebody brought it up about something that i was talking about like somebody was asking me how scary um some movie was and i said it was something like Atm i forget what movie it was but i was like oh yeah it's atmospheric or whatever yada yada and they were like oh like crimson peak and i was like oh my god crimson peak <laughs> hey, i don't know that crimson peak is my go-to for atmospheric but yeah and i was like i don't okay i was like i yeah, um, but yeah, no, everyone was like, look how far he's come. Shut up, okay. <laughs> also, this is the second time that he's made Jug Jones play a fish monster who likes to eat eggs, and I'm wondering. I know, what is it, that? Who wore it better? <laughs> <laughs> Ape Sapien or the fish man? I think he's called the fish creature in the credits. Fish creature, fish man, I can't I remember. Creatures in the... It might be man. I don't know. The fish dude from The Shape the of fish Water. fish dude. But yeah. Fish dude. Yeah, really great movie. Very exciting edit one. Um, good times. Good times. Yeah. <clears throat> Not really horror, but hey, it is a creature feature. It is. And it was basically, like Del Toro has talked about, yeah, it's like when I saw Creature from the Black Lagoon, I thought it should be a romance. So this is that. Who says that? So it's, a, it's in response to a horror movie, which is very cool. It's his um, AU fanfic of... It is! Um, a creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah, that's what it is. Good stuff. So there you go. All right. I think now we're going to begin the main segment of the episode today, which, as we mentioned, is a discussion about The Ritual, which you can now watch on Netflix, and the novel upon which it's based by Adam Neville. Mm -hmm. So... Now, I've seen the movie... Craig has done both. Yes. Um, I did read many Goodreads reviews of the movie, so, oh. or the book. So it's oh, basically right. like I read it. It's basically, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now I will say this. It's a pretty strong adaptation. Mm -hmm. It's pretty close to what the novel is. There are some differences. Okay. Which um, we can get into. But the basic premise of the ritual is that a uh, group of friends uh, that knew each other in college are getting together for a reunion trip. And that trip involves a hike through the uh, Swedish hinterlands. <laughs> Swedish countryside, which is, you know, basically like... The Swedish countryside, thank you. I don't know why I went to hinterland. <laughs> well, it's like in the Swedish countryside, but in Sweden that means like... Like Gondor, like you know, it's not a nice, sweet, like right. Amish farm you're rolling by, like right. And so, when our four heroes decide to take a detour through the forest, they encounter a um, menacing presence in the woods that proceeds to stalk them, and that's um, that's the basic. It's the hook. That's the hook as it were. Um, now, I'll say this, and I think that maybe this is a good place to begin the discussion, and it is about a difference between the the, the film and the, and the book. Well, Ms. Mel, do you want to, okay, do we want to tell them why they're on this trip in the film? Um, 
Yeah, well, it comes up super, like, if you watch the first five minutes of the movie, it comes up pretty quickly. But I, my understanding is that in the book, it was kind of gradually revealed. So, in the, it's really, it's, it was, this was a weird choice for me when I, when I finally watched the movie after, like, right after I finished the book. So, the story in the film is we have an opening prologue where the friends are together and two of them go off into a convenience store. Luke, who ends up being sort of our focal character, and Robert. The convenience store is robbed and Robert is uh, killed in the, in the... Scuffle. Ca- scuffle, thank you, of the robbery. Three for three with supplying you for this is why this is a team podcast. Yeah. Otherwise, it would just be me here for like 10 minutes. The, um, the, um, I'm having flashbacks to when you were writing your uh, cover letter to the DC oh library. And we spent 10 minutes trying to figure out. Word for, what did we need? We ended up going with progressive, I think. But we, you were looking for a word that meant like forward thinking. But you wanted it yeah. to be one word. The one word. And we spent 10 minutes trying to figure out what that word was uh, turns out it's progressive uh, turns out it's progressive and you got the job so it worked <laughs> like that damn right oh my god that's hysterical um i have completely lost my train of thought <laughs> so robert gets killed in the scuffle oh robert is killed in the scuffle while luke is for lack of a better word cowering and um he doesn't do anything to help his friend he doesn't even actually check to see if his friend is alive after he is struck he just flees the scene and so the remaining four friends six months later um they take this trip to sweden because that is that was robert's idea for the trip that they all should that he thought would be a cool idea for all of them to take together and so that's why they're on this trip basically they're going in memory of their friend and they honor him on a mountain or something. It's yeah, all very like make him a little thing or whatever. Now in the novel, there is no Robert. Oh yeah. <laughs> right then. We, we it's the novel starts. They're already in the forest. Like then they've already taken the detour. They're actually already lost on page one. I uh, feel like I remember somebody saying something about it. It starts very like in Medias race, like super. That super hardcore and you learn through flashbacks not that there was a fifth friend but just that uh they've grown apart since their time in college but luke feels that the other three have have been excluding him from certain things and that they're a little bit closer still than he is and um that they're a bit more it's that, it's that tough thing in a friend group, basically, where he feels like he's measuring these different life events as like a competition between him and his friends. And he mm. feels it's all winning, which we do see in the movie as well. And they're, they're just on this trip because they wanted a reunion together. And, and they're just trying to reconnect. But you realize that they're not – they don't really have anything in common with each other anymore. And the friendship they had in college is – is basically just memory. Hmm. And I thought it was a really interesting change between they put in this book and, and <clears throat> film. Well, and I guess I can see it because that's a lot harder to render in film. Like, cause I'm imagining a lot mm. of that is internalized. So that's very easy to 
come across in a book, but in a movie, like, you need something you can kind of grasp at. Like, there has to be something, like... That's a good point. Physical, like, that you can see and say, okay, this is the thing. Yeah. Um, so, I feel like, that being said, like, it was like, that's like zero to 60. <laughs> It's like between, oh, yeah. we kind of grew apart to I let my friend die. I let my friend die. So. What? <laughs> yeah, so I can say yeah, that, that that extreme of a choice is interesting, but I do see the yeah. need to give them something more concrete to. But it's like, okay, like that's the thing that drives them apart. Like, Jesus. <laughs> right. And that's a really good point that you brought up. Um but yeah, it didn't bother me necessarily that there was a change in sort of the impetus as to why they're there. But I just, I yeah, I just thought it was interesting, more or less. Yeah. So, um. <sighs> so we've already, so yeah, so the prologue, it opens, then we cut to six months in the movie. Then we cut to like six months later or whatever it is, <clears throat> or four months or whatever. And they're doing their hike um, and they do their monument. And what happens is, is the one friend falls. He like twists his ankle or something, or he's got a yeah. bad knee or something happens. And basically, um, Dom like sprains his ankle, knee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> something vital that in your leg, he sprains it and he can't like. They realize they at first they're like, Oh my god, you're being such a baby. But they realize, you know, it's pretty swollen, like there's something, you know, he he really needs to he can't walk on it essentially. So they decide, as all people do, that they're gonna cut through the forest, um, to try and get there faster. And, you know, looking thinking about it now, that was one thing for me in the movie where it was like, Okay, like that was such a cliche move. Like that it was like, Okay, like that's a very transparent cliche move for a horror film. The with so like thinking okay, when you read the book, it's already started that way. I like that better because you will avoid yeah. that conversation where it's like, here's why we have to do this dangerous thing that, you know, the audience is looking at with complete dramatic irony. Yeah. that's a, Yeah, that's a good point. So you're saying you like that they use the ankle as the reason for why they go into the forest. Well, I like that the book bypasses the conversation about it. Like I like, Oh, them I got you. Gotcha. Stopping, like just starting in the middle of like, yeah, we took a shortcut on a camping trip and we're lost as opposed to having that like conversation about the importance this and the justification why we of why we got lost. Like, it's like, no, gotcha. like I believe people will get lost. You don't need to. <laughs> yeah. I like it better too in the book because I feel like it makes the tragedy of what happens to them so much greater because mm-hmm. in the, in the book, it's just, um, they just kind of thought they just basically, they take the shortcut cause they thought it would be interesting. They're basically like doing the hiking version of off-roading and it's that human fallacy that I, that <laughs> I wouldn't, I would not suggest it. Um, whereas, and the movie it's like okay they take the shortcut through the forest because there's kind of there's sort of a need right there's sort of a a a ticking clock like okay we need to get back faster now because dom is hurt and it's like oh you have good intentions for doing a stupid thing yeah um but it's still a stupid thing yeah and you know i i you know it's like okay i totally get it that's a justifiable reason to do what you did but I just like to avoid cliches, and a cliche yes. is that exact scenario. So it's like, oh, like, 
I don't know. We did it because we wanted to. Like, you know, 15 pages before this started. So, you know. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's great. It's great. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, a quick setup, which is good. There's immediate tension. Also always good. We're grabbed from the beginning. Um, and then uh, stakes, stakes are raised pretty quickly when our four heroes find an animal strung up a bear strung up in the trees and gutted down the middle. Yeah. In a way that suggests (laughs) it was not an accident. (laughs) It was not an accident. You can just crawled up there and yeah. Cause they do have the conversation, I think in the movie for a hot second where somebody like makes the suggestion that it, it was an accident or the bear got stuck in the tree. Mm -hmm. Cause it's like, I don't know how they rendered it in the book, but basically like in the movie, it's it's like, he's like cut down the middle and then like his like skin and stuff is basically like peeled out. So he's like on display basically. And, you know, gutted and all this other stuff. And it's like, well, I'm going to say he's not talented enough to do that to himself, being a bear. <laughs> being a bear. Yeah. Uh, but that also struck me as like, does, didn't that strike you as sort of like true to life? Like you see something so bizarre and in this case kind of horrifying. So like the natural psychological reaction is like, well, I can, I can explain that. I can explain that away. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not that weird. And here's why. But then it's like, no, this is really fucking weird. (laughs) Yeah, I can't, I don't have an explanation for this one. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so they see that and it's very Blair Witchy. Um, It's very Blair Witchy. Which the first half of this movie or so, minus the prologue, did get, like a lot of the reviews were saying, like it was very much trying to evoke that Blair Witch feel. Um, So yeah, they're like. It's like Blair Witch meets The Descent. Yes. Yeah, but with dudes. <laughs> yeah, but with dudes instead of ladies. Um, but yeah, so that happens. And they're like, that's weird. They move on. Um, it becomes clear they're not going to get out of the forest by daybreak. Uh, so they're like, we have to camp. But then it starts pouring down rain and they stumble upon a house. As one does. Um, and they're like, there's some debate. Maybe someone lives there. Like, no, nah, it's abandoned. They go in. It seems pretty abandoned. Like somebody was here at some point, but it's pretty sparse. Um, and I feel like there was some kind of argument or something that happened when they got inside the cabin. Cause the other two friends who aren't the guy from Downton Abbey, Thomas, <laughs> like, two of the friends kind of are very vocal about the fact that they sort of blame our main guy for the death of this Robert fellow yeah. and like Hutch. Dom and uh, Phil and Phil. Phil and Hutch is kind of like the neutral person who's like well like he kind of it seems like he kind of agrees a little bit but he's not about to like he's he's a peacemaker he's trying to keep things yeah he's the peacemaker exactly Um, so yeah they find there's some weird shit in the house like upstairs there's like this weird altar of this straw person of some sort and they're like that's a little fucking weird but they're like whatever just nobody sleep up there or whatever the figure the straw figure in the book is even creepier but that one, but that one was pretty creepy in the movie. Um, so yeah, they go to sleep and they all have weird dreams, like weird nightmarish dreams, like of horrible memories. Um, Hutch wakes up and he's peed himself in his sleep because he was so scared, and mm-hmm. 
Lucas. Is it Luke or Lucas? Uh, Luke. Luke. Yeah. Luke. Um, he gets like, he has a dream where he gets like stabbed or something. And it actually, he wakes up with the actual wound on his stomach. Like he yeah. goes outside and something attacks him. Mm -hmm. And his dreams keep like taking him back to the convenience store with, with the robbery. And, the, but then it like intermingles like with the forest yeah. And it's it's like these two things are combining. Like he gets um, shot in the robbery, but in the forest, it's like, like he gets, uh, like impaled by an elk or something. Like it it blends to, yeah, together. The those dream sequences are really cool. Yeah. Um, and his is are the only ones that we see. In the, like we vaguely hear later, some people share their their woes. Um, and then right. the one friend, I think it's Phil, wakes up naked, praying. Like, and he he's praying to this um, altar thing. Altar, yeah. Um, and he was the one who originally found it in the first place. So there's that as well. Mm. So yeah, not a great night. Not a great night. Um. Our heroes are feeling very tense. They're feeling very scared. They head out. Food is getting low. Um, they have an argument over which path to take. Um, or or they, they basically discover a path, and they argue over, well, a path's got to lead to some sort of civilization versus we should just go back the way we came and, and get back that way because we're lost. They end up taking the path, and things, of course, go from bad to worse. When they realize that they're being stalked, they're being hunted by something else out in the woods. We get the emotional conflict that bubbles to the surface. Uh, there's a confrontation between Dom and Luke about the guilt Luke feels over Robert's death and the blame that his friends consciously or unconsciously place at his feet for it. Um, there, I, I like, this was a good cast. Mm -hmm. Just, I'm just thinking of those. Yeah. Yeah. They all, the four of them work well. Definitely worked. Like it was, they good. did. It's good. Angry energy. Good, angry tension yeah. chemistry. Yeah. Um, it was a very, very, it's all very, like, everything here is very unsettling. Everything is very, like, moody. This is a very, like, adult horror film. As opposed um, to the other adult horror films. I don't know. Like, I guess what I'm trying to say. As opposed to the PG ones. As opposed to the PG. It felt mature. Yes. I think is what I'm getting at. Yes. Instead of, like, it's not cheesy jump scares and dumb teenagers running around. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. Everything here is, it's beautifully shot. It's well acted. Um, there's atmosphere for days. So. Yes, there is. It's very big on the atmosphere. Um, yeah. Which was very good. It was beautifully done. Uh, I don't, they filmed somewhere that wasn't Sweden. I forget where Wherever they, they did, though, the landscape was gorgeous. It was, yeah. It's very mountainous, very foresty. Yeah. Um, which, you know, owes itself to you know, the whole man versus nature debacle. Yeah. Of the yeah. You know what else that kind of like, now that you're saying with like the man versus nature and stuff or whatever, we mentioned Blair Witch and the descent, which, 
you know, definitely gives vibes up. But I feel like especially in this part of the movie, it also started to give me vibes of like the Wicker Man and the Witch. The Witch, definitely. The the mood was very witch-esque. Well, yeah. And that very like folk horror kind of blanket. I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. And like the lurking evil out there in the woods. We've talked about the woods a lot on the show. Um, so, uh, eventually one night or the next night, uh, Hutch, the group is attacked and Hutch is for lack of a better word taken. And, um, well, it, it's not good. <laughs> and our three remaining heroes try to find a way out of things, but they're still being hunted. And then Phil meets a similar fate. Yes. And then the story takes a turn. <laughs> and I think this is where this is really, where, yeah, this is really where... the Wicker Man comes into play. <laughs> This is also where it kind of, like, I love the mood parts. And I was like, all right, now you're losing me a little bit with yeah. this. It's also well, a little village-esque. It's very village-esque. This was, like, the back, like, 200 pages of the novel. And it's such a dramatic turn that, like, it kind of lost me. It was definitely, like, this is where I'm, like, this is where the, the film starts to falter. Because you've got the weirdness going on. You have the creepy house in the middle of the woods. You can feel their desperation. It's all very good with mood and tone, et cetera, et cetera. And then, uh, I don't know. Well, okay. So what happens next, Miss Mel? Um, so do they, I, I guess they get either taken or they get yeah. led to this like compound. Like they, it's like weirdly both. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Like I don't, it's strange. Um, to this, like, kind of, like, antiquated-looking set of buildings. Um, Luke and the one... Dom. Dom. Um, are sent up to the one room, and they're, like, tied up, and they're just, like, dropped there or whatever. Nobody's... Everyone's speaking Swedish or something to each other. Um, so they don't know what's going on. Um, and they come in. This old woman comes in and, like, looks at both of them, at Luke and at Dom, and she says... And they decide to take Dom. Like, they take him away, and Luke's yelling, yada, yada, they take him away, and basically they they do some sort of ritual where they, like, beat the crap out of him or something. Um, and Luke just kind of has to listen to it. Um, they, I don't think they bring Dom back, but he's still alive. Um, they bring him back once. They bring him back once, and he's beat up, and then they take him again at night. Yeah. Um, and they take him outside to basically be a sacrifice for this this Nordic giant. <laughs> <laughs> it's Mr. Eric. It's Eric. <laughs> um, although it's not Nordic because they're in Sweden, so it's the Swedish giant. <laughs> um, and basically, uh, they've been doing this. They offer sacrifices to this thing. Um, and they didn't pick Luke because Luke has been chosen by the thing, this giant basically, um, to become one of their little cult. Um, and Dom, he puts up a fight. 
He does. He does. And then Luke gets free eventually and tries to run into the forest after him. This is where it gets a little choppy for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So Dom is sacrificed and Luke is like, well, I guess that's the road I'm headed towards too if I don't do something about it. So he more or less does Mm -hmm. and fights back. He sets something on fire, uh, I feel like. Yeah, and there's that. a struggle and a fight. <laughs> we get the we finally get the reveal of the monster, and um, and and things play out from there. Won't we won't spoil the no. total ending of things. Um, da, da, da. this was the other major difference between book and film. So in the novel, or so in the film, it, there's like this whole cult, right? of people very village-esque that are worshiping this ancient evil in the woods. It's like a, 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 a Jotun. A, yeah. A, a giant essentially. Yeah. And, but it's like their version of like, basically like the bastard child of a God. Or something. Yeah. Um, you know, so there's that going on up in Sweden. So there's that going on in the novel it's not made explicitly clear what the creature is. Um, also Dom is not abducted. It's only Luke. Um, Dom is dead and he's not held by an entire cult. He's held by four people. There's the old woman and then there's two brothers and one of the brothers girlfriends and they're, they have a cult mentality, but they're, they're basically teenagers that were in a satanic punk band and they've sort of taken Same. over this woman's house. Same. <laughs> and, um, and there's, it's, I don't know. It just creates a very different. That is a super different feel than the, it's a very different feel. It's the a very village different people, very different type of village people, the village people that we saw yeah. in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Because it's basically, like, in the movie, it's people dressed in, like, like, like sheepskin. Yeah, like 18th century yeah. Swedish garb. Right. Living, you know, the 18th century Swedish life. Yeah. <laughs> the 18th century Swedish life. <laughs> yeah. So that was the other major difference. Um, but the rest more or less plays out the same. Um, yeah. So what did you think overall, Miss Mel? I really liked it up until the bit with the cult at the end because I just I yeah. hate the mythologizing. I hate showing the monster. I understand sometimes like that's the story you're going for. Like this very much, that was the story they were going for. They've set up a mythology and that's fine. Like, you know, people want to tell that story. People like that story. It's just not the kind of story that I like to see in horror. And that was the one yeah. thing that detracted It Follows for me is the scene where you see how the monster kills people. Um, yes. I was like, oh, ah, ah, there it is, you know. Um, so I love the atmosphere and the Blair Witchy and the Witchy stuff that, that you know, dominated the first two-thirds of the movie. Um, I don't think the ending, like, the last um, quarter of it, like, ruins any of that for me. I still think it was a, it was a really well-done movie. Um, yeah. I just, you know, it, the, the explanation for everything and the fact that there was one wasn't my cup of tea. Yeah. Yeah, I would more or less agree. Um, I think when things switch over and it's not really that isolation horror anymore, Mm -hmm. 
is when I start to lose. Like, I feel like reading and watching, like they got me right to the level where I was about to be terrified. And then, you know, it got, it got kind of cliche and it never, for me, it never regained that sense of dread that I had, um, with the first half of the story. Uh, the performers were great. Um, I feel like they are friends. I feel like there's a history, but between them, even in that prologue, um, it, there's no like flashy acting, so it's all very believable. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it's good looking, really good looking movie. Like we mentioned, um, the direction was on point. Um, I, I'm a sucker for anything with a creepy house in the woods, you know. <laughs> Like myself, that's, am a personally that's a sucker for creepy houses. In the woods. For creepy houses in the woods, I just constantly go there. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Um. Yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, I think I think they lose. I think they lose a lot um, when they start to over mythologize. Definitely when they expose the creature. Um, the design is good. The Mm-hmm. creature itself is cool and grotesque and whatever, but just imagining the impact, the greater impact it would have had, had you kept it in the shadows, yeah. I think would have been. People get so bent out of shape when you don't show them things or don't explain things, but it's like, no, like that's all the, that's where all the tension is. That's where all the fun is. Like you don't get to see it. Like Blair Witch was so good. Exactly. You never saw shit. Like you have no idea what they saw when they screamed or, you know, what it looked like when they died. And it's like, that's what made it lastingly scary. Yes. 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 All the yes. <laughs> All the yes. No. Yeah. Um, it's an old rule, but it's one that's often ignored for horror, which is, um, you know, what you don't see is often more terrifying than what you do see. Yeah. It's, that's why the dark, it's philosophical and you know cliche with that. That's why the dark feels scary, kids, because you can't. That's right. Can't see it. <laughs> you can't see anything. We don't know what's in there. Yeah. So what's in the dark? Um, that's why you know I think that was one of the problems with the bigger release version of Lights Out is that now you've got all this time uh, you have to show us something and it's like oh no it was so freaky because like because what were what was it? It was so, it? It was so quick, and, and that was that. Um, uh, yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. But I will say, though, I think there was a, definitely a rocky start to horror this year. I was not sure what horror was going to look like in 2018 with Winchester and Insidious, the last of key. mythologizing. Right? And with The Ritual... I know it was at the film festivals last year, but now it's wide release, thanks to Netflix. I feel like The Ritual was the first, like truly good horror movie of the year. Mm-hmm. And now that now I think they're really going to be rolling out. Um, I just watched Veronica tiny sidebar. Really good. Recommend. I heard, I heard good things about it, but I didn't watch it yet. Yeah. Recommend. Um, a quiet place is getting oh, yes, that looks all like kinds it's of praise be... at yeah. South by Southwest. Looks You've like also got the good. Yeah, you have The Endless coming out by um, the directing team behind Resolution. Um, that looks really good. I think the next couple months are going to be really solid for horror. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of cool. Yeah. 
Something um, to forward to. Yeah. So that's my overall take, you know, like whatever, four, four stars, four out of five stars, probably maybe three and a half for the ritual. Yeah. Would, re- would recommend. Would recommend. Definitely. Um, but yeah, and that's the other thing too, is sometimes you can find some good stuff on Netflix. Sometimes it's hysterical at how awful it is, but sometimes yeah. there's little gems. Like that's where I first watched. I am the pretty thing that lives in the house. Very um, interesting movie. Yeah. Which was very, um, like turn of the screw, uh, yeah. type horror, which I'm always a sucker for that as well. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Stuff. The ritual. The ritual. And, you know, read the book. <laughs> and read the book. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or don't. No, yeah. I mean, yeah, <laughs> but if you want to see the differences, yes, but honestly, the movie's fine. Yeah. Well, that was the thing, too, is after I watched them, because somebody actually, like, came into work asking for a book, The Ritual, and I was like, oh... And I saw it, and I was like, okay, cool. And then I saw the Netflix, and I was like, oh, they made a movie. This was, like, in the span of two days of each other this <laughs> happened. So it was very weird for me. It was like, oh, why why is this happening twice? It was the universe telling you to watch it. Yeah. Um, so that that was a thing. And, you know, it, it all seems very interesting. But I went on, after I watched the movie, I went on the Goodreads just to be like, well, what are people saying about the book? Um, and, you know, people on Goodreads are are what they are. Like you have to take a lot of those reviews with a grain of salt because it's a lot of people and their egos and a lot of people just saying shit to say it. Um, But there was a consensus that it was a little bit jarring. The cuts between like the moods and the pacing was a little bit weird. Um, And that some people didn't like the actual voice of Luke as a character. Like they found him to be kind of annoying, I guess, but I think that's probably a personal preference i didn't find him annoying i wasn't sure if i could trust him for a while mm-hmm. as a narrator but i didn't find him annoying yeah. so i might pick it up eventually i'm not gonna rush go out of your way there. yeah if somebody and I think throws that's... a copy at me and says do you want to read this i'll be like oh yeah maybe <laughs> okay sure but yeah it's easy to watch it's well directed um it, it it breaks the mold kind of a little bit, you know, like for what seems to be the only thing that gets attention in horror lately, you know, mm-hmm. but um, it's also not like trying to be anything original. It's just trying to do its story in a really stylized way, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And I will say that much about the ending, the last bits of the um the stuff that I said I didn't like, like at the very least that was pretty original. Like you don't see too much horror based on like Norse mythology. No. Um, yeah. So good for them. And you know what you don't see a lot of that we saw with these guys, they fought back Yeah. and they weren't afraid of fighting back, Yeah. which um, has been absent from so much horror lately. Um, yeah. So that was cool. That's what I liked about Happy Death Day. She's like, no. Yes, I'm and Tree fights back this. too. I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna keep doing this. Yeah. Yeah. So there was a lot to like, you know, no teeny yeah. boppers. Yeah, and then, again, yeah, like that's it. Like the 
the annoying humor of teeny bopper films and like teen slashers. Like I love teen slashers, but sometimes you do. Oh yeah, like sure. Atmospheric grown up feeling or film. Film yeah. in general. So Yeah. That's it. All right. So that's the ritual, guys. We recommend it. Um Miss Mel, do you want to rattle off that social media? All right, here we go. So you can email us at splatterchatter669 at gmail.com. You can tweet us at splatterchatter666 minus all the vowels. If that's too difficult, just type it in that little search bar on Twitter and it will pop up. You can find us on Instagram at splatterchatter666 with the vowels. Hey, yo. Um, Tumblr, splatterchatter.tumblr.com. Craig's blog is splatterchatter666.blogspot.com. And we have a Patreon, which Craig knows more about than I will, than I do. So I'm going to let him say that. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash splatterchatter666, which is where you can um, find out about uh, the mission, basically, of the podcast and uh, what we're hoping to accomplish with our new Patreon page. And also where you can, should the, the generous spirit strike you, you can become a donor to the podcast and get all kinds of uh, special perks that come with being a donor. We have three different levels, three different amounts that you can pledge to donating once a month. You could be a Jason in which you donate $1 a month to the show, and that will get you a subscription to The Howler, which is the new Splatter Chatter monthly newsletter. In that newsletter, you will find our horror picks of the month in film, TV, and literature, as well as our book club selection and additional horror headlines. You can be a Freddy, which is a pledge of $5 a month to the show, which will get you all of the Jason level perks, plus the horror Q&A, where you could submit a question to the show and Miss Mel and I will answer it at the top of the very next episode. Or you can be a Michael, which is pledging $10 a month to the show, which will get you all the Jason and Freddy perks, plus being a show programmer. And that will allow you to pick a topic that you want us to cover in an entire episode. So... Pretty cool stuff. And that's not, we're not saying that just because, you know, we came up with it. Um, (laughs) Objectively, it's great. Um, So, yeah, check out all the things. Um, Check out all the things. Get in touch with us. Let's keep the conversation going. And if you do feel so inclined, please give us a rating and a review on iTunes where you can listen to the podcast as well as on SoundCloud. Nice. Yes. Yes, yes. Um, we'll be coming at you soon with... Something. We don't know. Something. <laughs> something. Something. It's always something. But until then, when we see you again for episode 40, Ooh. we will sign off for now by reminding you guys to keep up the creep and say au revoir, adios, and das bedan.